We're going to continue our time of worship now by opening up the Word of God. And I'm very excited to announce that today we're actually going to be starting a new sermon series in the book of Romans. And we're going to be in Romans throughout the entire fall. And it's actually a series that we're calling Back to Basics, going back to the basics of following Jesus, going back to our first love for our passion for the name of Jesus. And throughout the entire fall, we're going to be studying and reading through the book of Romans together. That's actually going to be our reading plan as a church. So you can be reading Romans on your own during your own devotional or your family prayer and devotional time. And we just invite everyone to go on this journey on the Romans road back to basics, back to a love and passion for Jesus. So today's scripture reading is from the book of Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. You could read along in your Bibles or you could hear God's word read aloud. Romans 1, 16 to 25, Romanos 1, versículos 16 al 25, for those that are following along in Spanish as your heart language. So let's hear now with open hearts and open ears from the Word of God from Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it, the gospel, is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. Verse 18 The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal man, being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. 
who is forever praised. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you and we give you praise, Lord, because you are doing something new in and through our church, in and through each one of us, in and through our families and households, Lord. Would you continue to build up a new creation, Lord? Use us for your purposes, God. Speak to us in a way that is clear and direct this morning. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We want to welcome everyone, especially if this is your first time in worship with Imago Church. Just a little bit about this church community. Imago means that we're created in the image of God, and our purpose is in the image of Christ. And God has shaped this community so that together we would live out our call as a gospel-centered, multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships, restored relationships with God and with each other. As a church community, throughout the fall, we're going to be entering into a journey, a long adventure into the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, we're really going to be parking there and landing there all the way up, through, up until the Thanksgiving uh, season. And we're all going to, together on this Romans road back to basics. We're going to be asking ourselves, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus with a passion? If at one point you felt that, this season, this fall, we're going back to basics, back to following Jesus with a passion, back to following Jesus with a commitment and with dedication. We're going to read through the book of Romans and really see the biblical basis for this first part of our vision together as a church community. God has called us to be a gospel-centered community. That means that we're centered around Jesus. We're centered around a living Lord and a personal God, not just some vague, abstract idea or a tradition or a custom, but a living Lord who meets us where we're at and takes us where we need to be. We did something similar last year when we went through the book of Acts where we saw the biblical basis for what it means to be a multicultural community and how that really is a picture of God's family. That's a picture of the kingdom of God. So beginning this morning and throughout the fall of 2020, we're going to be focusing and digging deep into the book of Romans to look at the biblical basis for the first part of our church vision, which, as we mentioned, is to be gospel-centered, to be Jesus-centered, to be gathered around a living Lord and a personal God, a living God that meets us here and now. So together in the fall, we're going to really be making a shift, going back to basics and having discipleship take the forefront of what it means to follow Jesus. Together, we're going to be taking a disciple shift because Jesus calls us to follow him. At Imago Church, 
we're going to get back to um, ways to be able to gather together throughout the fall. And I'm very excited to uh, announce today that we're going to be finding creative ways to do that throughout the fall. And one of the ways that we're going to do that, and for today, I just want you to mark your calendars and to begin praying and fasting and uh, preparing for this together as a church community. But on October 18th, it's a Sunday morning, we're actually going to be experimenting with an outdoor in-person service together as a church community. So we're all looking forward to that. Well, it'll be an opportunity to be spaced out and outside. There'll be details to come. Um, but for right now, just mark your calendars and begin praying into October 18th. That's the plan that we're working toward here together to just experience that um, in, uh, in the next month here together. And then on November 8th, that's also a Sunday, we're actually going to be doing an in-person outreach and service project here at the Imago Church uh, uh, campus in the parking lot. We're going to do together, and we're still working on this, and we ask you to pray and participate and see how you can serve as well. We're going to be doing a coat drive for the winter for uh, those in our community that are, that are in need, and we'll also be doing a dry food drive as well as a blood drive. So we're going to be finding ways to be able to really be the hands and feet of Jesus right here where we live in Visalia, Tulare, and the county. We're going to find ways to really bless the, the families around this community, especially those that are in need during this time as we're preparing for the fall and the winter. And we're really going to serve together as witnesses and reflectors of Jesus through our lives, through our words, and our actions. All of that counts as worship. All of that counts as discipleship. So in this season, we're taking those steps forward in faith together as a community. That's our plan. However, I do have to say, just like everything else in 2020, all events are subject to change due to unforeseen circumstances. But we'll keep all those channels of communication wide open. We'll let everyone know what's going on on a week-to-week -week basis. But for right now, begin to pray and plan to be there. October 18th, we're going to have our first outside service, and we'll be giving all the address and details in the coming weeks. But mark your calendar for Sunday morning, October 18th, and Sunday morning, November 8th, to be the hands and feet of Jesus here uh, outside in our church campus. So we'll continue to plan for that and work toward that in the fall and uh, find creative ways to be together, but have that also be a part of our mission and discipleship and our outreach here in the community. We'll be making this disciple shift. Jesus calls us to follow him, and to follow Jesus well means to be disciples, to be disciples who make disciples. At Imago Church, we exist for that reason, to be disciples who make disciples. And really, the purpose and point of being a church community together is really that, to be disciples who make disciples, to cultivate mature disciples who reflect Christ in their lives, words, and actions. 
Yes, on Sundays we come together and we worship through praise and fellowship. All of that is essential. And that is also a celebration of all that God has done from Monday to Saturday. Our lives from Monday to Saturday, that's our discipleship life. That's a part of who we are, following Jesus and inviting others to follow Him as well. We are the family of God together. So as the family of God, we carry on the mission of Jesus. And as we carry on the the mission of Jesus, we witness to God's good news. And God's good news is called gospel. As a gospel-centered community, we are a sent community that's empowered by the Holy Spirit to reflect the kingdom of God. That means that you and I, because of Jesus, according to the New Testament in the book of Philippians, we have a new address. We have a new citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our new address is in Christ, and we belong to the kingdom of God. That is our identity, our citizenship, and our new residence. Citizens of heaven belonging to the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. That is first and foremost. Any other things that we attribute or that we identify with, that's second, third, fourth, but first and foremost is this calling. As citizens of heaven who belong to the kingdom of God in Christ. Paul, in the book of Romans, tells us that Jesus Christ is the greatest revelation of God to humankind. In Jesus, we read here in Romans that God actually self-discloses himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So what we read here in these scriptures is that if we want to know God, then we must know Jesus. And this is very good news. This is gospel Because Jesus is alive and well, and we are invited to belong to God's family. Another word that's often used in church is the word faith. And we read earlier today in the call to worship in Hebrews 11.1, just the definition of faith there, that now faith is the assurance of of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. What a beautiful definition of faith. Another definition that I've developed as a pastor over the years and in the readings of Scripture is that faith is really the living awareness of the reality of what God has done to bridge the gap between God and humanity, to, to bridge the gap that was created and caused by sin. God made a bridge to connect us back to himself and to each other. Faith is awakening to and responding to the reality that God became like us so that we would be with God, so that we could be a part of his family. It's believing that God has made a way where it seems it seemed like there was no way. So just to be clear with everyone, the gospel the good news of God, it's not an argument. It's not actually God 
trying to argue anything with us, but it's actually God announcing something to us. God doesn't start with really a series of ideas or premises uh, explaining to us why he loves us and then concludes that we should also therefore love him too. No, friends, brothers, sisters, let's not overcomplicate this. You get this. The gospel is not an argument, but the gospel is an announcement. It's God's good announcement. It's the announcement that says God has taken action. God has taken initiative. God says, I see you, I love you, and I want you to be a part of my family. I've made a way for you. God proclaims his love in action in the person of Jesus Christ. That those who believe in him would have a new life with God. And it's a new life that begins here and now. It doesn't just begin once we're dead, but it begins here and now. And that new life with God is not meant to be lived alone but that new life with God is meant to be lived in community, and that community is called the church. That's God's family. That's you, and that's me. Regardless of whether that's an older church or newer church or bigger church or smaller church or in-person church or distanced church, the call remains the same. The task and the call of the church is to stand in the middle, to stand between the divine reality of God and ordinary, everyday human life. As the church, we must stand between things that are seen and things that are unseen. The book of Romans talks about this exciting adventure that God invites us into, this beautiful, this beautiful ministry that we're called to, to stand in the gap, to stand between that which is seen and that which is unseen. As the people of God, we are witnesses to the work of Jesus, the work done on the cross to save all humankind and all of creation. We are witnesses that provide living evidence to the world that God is good, that grace is not just an idea or some kind of abstract thinking, but grace is something real, and we have experienced it right where you are at home. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. You know, when I was a, a young preacher a young pastor, one of my favorite experiences that I ever had was as I was going around to uh, be a guest preacher and, and getting more experience with preaching. And when I lived up in the Bay Area in Oakland at the time, um, I got to guest preach at one point and in my, when I was in my uh, mid-20s or so um, at this historic African-American church called Faith, Faith Church. And uh, there was one point when I was giving the message and I just completely lost my notes and my train of thought and I had no idea what to say. And uh, I just kind of went blank. And then there was a sister, a lovely sister there at that church just sitting in the back pew and she just started praying for me. She put her hands up and she just said, 
Help them, Lord. Help them. And I received that. And I said, Amen. Hallelujah. And we went on with the rest of the message. And it was a blessing. So I'm so grateful for that. What we see here in the book of Romans is that we have a calling to witness to God's good news, the gospel. This is the mission and the message of the people of God, of the church. We witness to what God has done in Jesus. In fact, the gospel means that God has done something that has changed everything to save all humankind and to save all of creation. Scripture provides language for this, language like come and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. At Imago Church, we're a community gathered in worship in order that we would be sent out as witnesses to this gospel, to this good news. You and I are not the story. We don't exist just for ourselves. We don't exist just for four walls or for a building or for a little routine, but we are witnesses of the eternal story of God's salvation, a salvation for all of humanity and all of creation in Christ Jesus. That's what Romans is talking about. Romans takes us back to basics. So just a little bit of um, a background on Romans. Who wrote Romans? Romans was written by uh, the Apostle Paul, an early Christian leader. Paul is the author of Romans. And who exactly was Paul? I've said this before, if we think about the Scriptures and specifically about the New Testament, obviously in the Bible we have a protagonist, a main character, that is Jesus. But I believe a strong argument can be made that says if Jesus is the, the, the protagonist, the main character, then there can be a strong argument that says that Paul is definitely the best supporting character of the New Testament. So who was Paul? Paul was uh, born on or approximately the year 5 AD. So it's the year 2020 now. That means that he was born approximately 2015 years ago. And we're still talking about him and a letter that he wrote 2015 years later. So Paul was alive while Jesus was on earth. Paul was just a few years younger than Jesus. He was in his late 20s when Jesus died and rose again. And then Paul was in his early 30s when he had his famous conversion experience on the road to Damascus. It's an experience that we read about in the scriptures as well in the book of Acts chapter 9. So Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And the role that God chose for Paul to play in the spread of the gospel, it is a role that cannot be overstated. Paul was a missionary, and he took the gospel to different parts of the world, and he wrote letters to some of the earliest churches. In fact, last year, and you can go back on our website, uh, imago.church, or our podcast, 
and you can catch up with it. But we did an entire teaching series called Multipliers, where we taught through Paul's missionary journeys from Acts 20 to 28. The book that we're studying here together is called the book of Romans. Why is it called Romans? It's called Romans because it was the Apostle Paul writing to the early Christians in Rome. That's why it's called Romans. Still a city that's around today. Back then, it was an empire. So, this book is called Romans as it was written to early Christians in the city of Rome. It would be similar to if the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to us in uh, this day and age here to Visalia, to a a community in Visalia. The book would be called Visalians. Or imagine Paul's letter to the Californians or Paul's letter to the Americans. That's exactly the equivalent of it. So just a bit of an introduction to uh, Romans. Paul wrote Romans most likely from a place called Corinth, where some of you remember there's others, other uh, books in the Bible called uh, First and Second Corinthians. It was while Paul was there on his third missionary journey. And it was approximately the year 57. So that was really just about um, 20 three years or so after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we see this missionary journey that that Paul was on while in Corinth. We read about that in Acts 20. Paul had completed his work in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. Then he hoped to travel to Rome and then on to Spain. It's amazing. All these places still exist today. And we're still talking about the impact of the gospel there Paul then entrusts an early church leader by the name of Phoebe to deliver the letter to the Christians in Rome. We read about Phoebe in Romans 16 verses 1 to 2, and Phoebe was likely to be the person who brought the letter to Rome, to the Christians in Rome, and read the the letter out loud to the early Roman Christians. Now, we can do a whole other sermon series on Phoebe and some of the friends of Paul in uh, the early church, but I am just so grateful that God really raises up both women like Phoebe and men like Paul for his purposes. The main theme of Romans is the gospel. Romans is just drenched in this question over and over again. What is the gospel? What is the proclamation of the gospel? What is the application of the gospel? And it even goes into what is at the heart of the gospel. In Romans, Paul focuses a lot on understanding both God's judgment and God's saving grace through the righteousness of Uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. On the cross of Jesus Christ, God judges sin, and yet at the exact same time, the cross is the power of God displayed for the world to see. And the cross is the judgment of God as well. We see both the judgment of God and the saving grace and the mercy of God all wrapped into one. On the cross, we see the messiness and the brokenness of humanity, and we see the beautiful mystery 
of God's saving grace. All of that packed together, that is the gospel. So, how would you answer the question, the main question that Romans is exploring? If someone were to just come up to you, and I'm sure it's going to happen in your faith journey, as it's happened to me before, if someone were to just come up to you and ask you point blank, what is the gospel? Why is this good news? Why do I need salvation? How would you answer them? How would you respond to that question? What is the gospel? Well, let's go ahead and go back here, back to basics, and see what it tells us in Romans 1, 16 and 17 about the gospel. And it says the following. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen right in front of you. Romans 1, 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to, the, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So what is the gospel? And you can go ahead and take notes right at home because the question's going to come up either in your own journey or someone's going to bring it up to you. What is the gospel? The gospel is several things, but let's start with this. The gospel is good news. The gospel is particular good news having to do with our relationship with God and with each other. The gospel is God's good news regarding our salvation and our restoration. So to put it very simply, the gospel means that God has done something that has changed everything. God has restored, he's restored something, he's put back together something precious that has been broken. And yes, we can pause, we can look around, we can even look at this year and we can get evidence and realize that it's true. Something is broken. Something is wrong. We need a Savior. So God himself sees that brokenness, and the story, the good news of God, the good news of the Bible, is that God himself has come to rescue us and to renew creation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Bible and the book of Romans actually tells this story, the story of the gospel. You and I, as a part of the church, we're a part of God's family. God's family that has been rescued, God's family that has been restored and re renewed by the power of the gospel. So why does it matter? Why do we need salvation? Why does creation, which includes you and me, why do we need rescuing? I'm sure you've been in conversations before where you've thought about this question when you're honest, or you've actually brought it up to someone else or someone's brought it up to you. Why do we need salvation to begin with? Well, again, when we look, go back to basics here, 
to Romans, we see that we need rescuing because of sin. Sin is a separation. Sin has separated us from God and from each other. God is not focused on our sin or any particular sin. He came to save us. But sin is what has broken our relationship with Him. Sin is what has messed up our true identity that can only be found in Christ. Sin is really, more than anything, a posture, an attitude. It's a wrong way of thinking, yes, that then results in wrong actions and wrong living. Sin is making everything about me. Sin is living life my way for my fame, for my glory, instead of living God's way, for God's glory. Sin is saying, my will be done. Turning our eyes to Jesus is saying, okay, Lord, your will be done. Teach me to live. In Romans one twenty-five, we actually see one of the best definitions that I've ever read about what sin actually is. The thing behind the thing behind the thing. I love, yeah, Romans t- makes it basic, raw, and real for us. It says this in Romans one twenty-five that they, we, as people, have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Sin is exchanging the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. So yeah, sin is a bunch of particularities. It can take the form of this action or that action or this inaction or that fault. But sin is essentially what Romans one twenty five is saying there. Sin is, ex- is exchanging the truth about God for a lie. Sin is worshiping and serving created things rather than the almighty creator who is the only one that is worthy of your praise. Nothing and no one else can fill that. So when we repent is when we actually change our mind. Repenting is not just, you know, some, some simple words. Yes, it begins with words. But repentance is actually a surrender that begins on the inside and takes effect on the outside. Repentance is surrender and trust. It's surrendering and trusting God for new life and transformation through Jesus Christ. Surrendering and repenting, repenting is really believing that by faith that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has restored us to right relationship with God. And this is very good news. This is the gospel. This is the good news that changes everything, every area of our life, back to the way that God designed it to be with our identity in the image of God and our purpose in the image of Christ. So really, that's the meaning of the gospel, but the gospel also has power, a power that is past, present, and future. 
the gospel has saved us from the penalty of sin, and that means that God has restored our past. No matter what we've done, God can restore all of that. The gospel is actually saving us from the power of sin. That means that God reshapes our present. He meets us here and now. And the gospel will save us from the presence of sin. That is how God secures our future. Friends, brothers, sisters, going back to basics, back to God's reality reminds us that the gospel didn't just happen in abstraction years and years ago, but the gospel is happening here and now. That's what it means to have life with God, to see the meaning and the power of the gospel at work in and through us. When I first got saved many years ago, almost 20 years ago now, my understanding of the gospel was pretty much focused to be completely honest with you, it was focused on the afterlife. It was focused on getting out of hell for free, like Monopoly, right? Get, get out of jail free card. This was the do the prayer, and that's your get out of hell free card. And that's true. For those of us that have accepted Jesus' death in the place of our own, my sin, our sin is forgiven, and you and I inherit eternal life with God. So our eternity, our life after death is secured. But I thought a, a little bit, I thought very little back then about the reality of God with me here and now. The power of the gospel is that because of his death, because of his resurrection, Jesus empowers me to say no to the power and the pull of sin in my life now. It's not going to be perfect, but he's with us here. The power, the ability is there through the gospel. Because of the gospel, I am free to be who I was created to be. And so are you. Everything will be restored to the way that God originally created it to be. The power of God through the gospel is not just, you know, a quick, um, a, quick, uh, a quick little fix it. But the power of God through the gospel is a holistic solution, a complete transformation. The gospel is a past, present, and future reality. Romans points us back to the gospel. And the gospel is a retelling of reality. A retelling of your reality and a retelling of my reality. Yes, the gospel has the power to retell our reality. The gospel retells reality because through Jesus, God has done something that has changed everything for humanity and for creation, God restores something precious that has been broken. And through that brokenness, God makes new creation. Because that's who He is. The brokenness, the pain that we've experienced, even in this year and in this season, God restores that. 
and retells our story. He retells the human story with a better story, with his story. The gospel is God's retelling of reality. The world, principalities, and its brokenness every single day and every single season is going to try to continuously convince you and I that this What's right in front of me, what's around me this year, the constant chaos, the fear, the principalities of the world, they're going to try to convince you and I that this is all there is. But the gospel is God's retelling of reality. And the retelling of that better story, of that bigger story, which begins with the following words. I want you to receive this as we take this road on Romans back to basics. The story of the retelling of reality begins with these words. Do not be afraid. This is not all that there is. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is more. There's more here and now. There's more beyond the chaos and confusion of 2020. And together, may we go back to basics and discover once again God's retelling of reality. Let's pray together. God, we thank you because you are the one in charge of our story and the one who ultimately tells our story. Thank you, Lord, that circumstances, situations, chaos, fear, anxiety, principalities of this world, they do not have the final say, God. But you do. And that is the power of the gospel at work in and through us. Bringing light out of darkness, bringing new creation out of the old Lord. God, for those of us that are taking our first steps with you, Lord, today, I just pray for all of those. And you can pray right at home and you can say, Jesus, I trust you. Be my savior today. I take that first step of faith with you, trusting that you love me and you hold me in your hands and you will show me how to live. Trust in Jesus today to be your savior. For those that have walked with Jesus before, but maybe you've taken a wrong turn at some point, and the Romans road today is calling you back to basics, back to your first love, back to that passion, back to that wonder, back to that amazement. Today is the day. Stop running away. Come back to him. He'll receive you. He has the power to restore your past, to protect your present, and to secure your future.
thank you, Lord, that you love us, you care for us, you see us, and you never, ever abandon us. You are with us, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes on you as we take this journey back to basics, back to our first love, back to a passion and commitment to you, Jesus. In your name we pray.